Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. We want to seek the Lord who is good, who is kind, who blesses us immensely. We want to seek Him today in prayer. And so I'm going to invite you just to pray where you're at. If you want to kneel, if you want to sit, if you want to stand where you're at, or if you even want to come forward to the edge of the stage, it's kind of a makeshift altar here today. Not that there's anything magical about that, but it's a way to earnestly and sincerely say, God, I am serious about this. Maybe you're interceding for somebody. Maybe you're asking for God to bless your own life. Maybe you're bringing your own supplications, needs that you have before the Lord. Whatever it is that's on your heart today, I'm going to invite you just to pray with me this morning. <clears throat> Father, we come before you today <clears throat> with earnest and sincere hearts seeking after you. Father, you are good, you are gracious. You are the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the ever-good God. You are there to bless our lives, but we are here to worship you. That is the most important thing, and we can't forget it's about your will and not about our wills. We want your plan for life, Lord. We want your plan for our, not only our individual lives, but for our world. Father, we pray that you would move quickly, that you would return quickly that you would work as you are preparing and bringing this whole plan to the ultimate redemption. Father, you know the needs that are represented and really on our hearts today. There are some that are hurting today. There are some that are dealing with addictions. There are some that are dealing with physical struggles today. There are some that are dealing with marriages that are, that are just a mess right now. Some dealing with children that are wayward. Some Lord, that are dealing with relationships that are broken. Some today, Lord, here or watching are dealing with bitterness and hardness of heart, being unforgiving toward others. Whatever it is that we are dealing with today, Lord, I pray that you would answer. I pray, Father, that you would move upon our hearts and upon our lives, that we would surrender all that we have and all that we are to you. You are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a God full of grace, without which we would have absolutely no hope. So, Father, just answer the prayers of our hearts. Help us, Lord, search our hearts, know our ways, and if there's anything that we need to confess before you, even in this time, Lord, any sins in our lives that we need to repent of and bring before your attention today, help us to do so. We know that you already know those things, Lord that nothing escapes your sight, but Father, we confess in agreement, realizing that we need to change. Help us to repent and fully follow you. And now, Lord, as we open your word, teach us, help us. And Lord, later as we enter into a time of communion, make it a special time, a time where we remember the sacrifice you gave for us. 
For you so loved the world that you gave your only Son, that whoever would believe in him and upon him would have eternal life. So, Father, we thank you for the sacrificial gift, the gift given of your Son who went to the cross on our behalf, who died the death that we deserved, who took the punishment that we deserved upon himself, the innocent for the guilty. Now, Father, be with us and bless us, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, teach us the things that we need to know today. And we pray all of these things in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> well, we are bringing this series to a close over the next about six weeks. We have uh, been in this series called Endgame for a while now. We started in the fall. We took a break over Christmas and part of January, and we picked it up a couple of weeks ago. And um, we're, we're going to start landing the plane, essentially, as it were. We're going to start bringing it in for a landing. Not that there's a lot more, not a lot more to talk about. We, have, we will have been in this series for about 20 weeks by the time we're done. But really, this is a 200-week series. In fact, it's probably even more than that because there is so much in the Bible, there's so much depth in the Bible that deals with the end times. Now, I know a lot of you um, have really enjoyed that because you're enjoying getting into and understanding what things are happening, but others are having a more difficult time. Maybe it's, uh, it's harder for you. Maybe you've, you're a new Christian and it's harder to understand what's going on. I don't want to end this series, but I do need to transition it. And so what we're going to do instead is on Sunday afternoon, starting next Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m., we're going to gather back here in the sanctuary, and we're going to take a deep dive into the books of Revelation and Daniel. We're going to look at Isaiah and uh, some, some prophecies out of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at Ezekiel and, uh, and Joel and the books of 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. So we're going to look at it all together. So I'm going to invite you to come back uh, and you can be here live if you would like to on Sunday afternoons from 4 to 5. We're going to provide child care. Um, if you can't make it or you just don't want to come out again, this will be live streamed. So you can follow along live just on your computer or on your TV at home. Uh, you could do so, uh, or you could use your mobile phone. Uh, I look way better on the size of a phone screen than I do on a big TV. So maybe that's your choice of what you want to do. That'll happen, though. We're going to live stream it on our website, on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, on Vimeo, and then we're also going to record it so you can go back and watch it later if you're not able to be there live with us on Sunday, or not even able to stream it live on Sunday afternoons. So I'm going to encourage you next Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. as we do some really deep dives into understanding this in a more in-depth way, because like I said, even though we're going to be 20 weeks into this series when we wrap it up, this is really a 200-week. This is a long-term series that really the Bible, the Bible is moving toward. God's plan of redemption that started in the book of Genesis that carries the way all the way through the Bible and culminates in the return of the Lord, that is his plan. It is his redemptive plan for 
humanity, for society. And so it's important to understand what God is doing and how God is moving. There is a thread that runs through Genesis all the way to Revelation that connects all of the dots that we really need to understand as Christians. We need to be biblically literate. Um, we need to understand what the Word of God says. There are too many Christians or people who call themselves Christians today that do not know the Bible. You don't know it or maybe your friends don't know it. They don't know the Bible, and as such, it makes it hard to understand what God's ultimate plan is. So again, I'm going to encourage you to come back, be a part of that. <clears throat> so as we start wrapping things up, as we start taking this into a landing today, today's message is called the need for discernment at the end of all things. And so what's going to happen is that in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, in fact, it really starts in Matthew about Matthew chapter 20. 20 through 25, Jesus gives three final sermons. And the final three sermons that Jesus gives, number one, he gives it to the public. And the sermon to the public is about a king preparing a wedding feast. And it's an open invitation to you and I to respond to the call of God. It's a message that is given to the public, and it's about this king preparing a wedding banquet. Then he shifts gears, and he gives a second message. And the second message is in Matthew 23, and it's a series of woes and condemnations. And he has given that to the religious hypocrites that he calls he says, you're hypocrites, you're fake, you're pretending on the outside, but your heart is not real on the inside. And so he gives a message of invitation to the public, then he gives a message of confrontation to the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees of the day, who were faking their way toward God. And then he gives a final message, and the final message is in Matthew 24 and 25, where he is talking specifically to his disciples, and he is talking to them specifically about the end of the age. Now, Jesus prompted a question at the end of Matthew 23 because of some things that he said. And he said some things that came right out of the book of Daniel about what the end times events were going to look like. Those things that he said prompted a question... In Matthew 23, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in Matthew 24, for the disciples to say these words to Jesus. They said to him, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign <clears throat> of the end of the age? Now, here's how Jesus will address that. Number one, he will give prophecy. Prophecy is straightforward, literal things that are going to happen. These are not parabolic events. These are absolute, real events that Jesus is saying are going to happen. You can read them word for word. In other words, when he says famine, he means famine. When he says earthquake, he means earthquake. When he says wars, he means wars. When he says abomination of desolation, he means the abomination of desolation. So Jesus will give specific prophecy, literal things that are going to happen. Then he goes into a series of parables. And what the parables are, are for us to understand how we, how we relate to everything that Jesus just taught. How should we then personally take all of this literal stuff that Jesus just said? Now, a lot of the parables that we are going to go through to wrap up this series are things that pastors pull out of context all the time. 
they preach a message on the ten talents, or they preach a message of the sheep and the goat, and they use it for things that don't relate to what Jesus is talking about. All of the parables <clears throat> that Jesus gives at the end of Matthew 24 and all of Matthew 25 are about the end times that Jesus had just been speaking of. So Jesus will give this incredible prophecy, these six parables about how we relate to and understand the prophecy, and then he will give a final uh, prophecy that deals specifically with his judgment that will happen at the very end. So we're going to start looking at the parables as we wrap all of this up. Before we get there, let's do a final recap of the prophecy of Jesus. <clears throat> and again, let's just read through Matthew 24. And here's what Jesus is going to say. Literal events. These are not parabolic. These are literal events, straightforward events that will happen at the end of the age. Jesus says, when they said to him, tell us, what are the signs? What should we be looking for? What should we be paying attention to? What's the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? Jesus says, first, there's going to be deception and false prophets that will arise. Here's what he says. Yeshua, Jesus, answered them, be careful that no one leads you astray, no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. Now, what that means is this, that there's going to be a constant attack upon truth at the end of the age. Truth will no longer matter. If you think of truth like you're in a boat and you put your anchor down into the, into, the, in, into the floor of the ocean, you hope it hooks to some rock or something because you're gaining, you're gaining traction, you're gaining uh, an anchoring, you're gaining a footing. At the end of all things, people will be encouraged to pull up their anchors and just float on the waves of society. You'll be encouraged to say nothing matters anymore. There's no truth anymore. There's no truth of God's word anymore. We can just pull up our anchor and float however we want to in any way that we want to. Jesus is specifically saying, look, there's going to be people that come along who will say, I'm of God. I have the anointing of God. The anointing of God is upon me, but what they are doing is they are teaching false things. They are causing you to pull up your anchor from truth and float away on their opinion rather than what truth really is. And so we have to be careful of who we listen to. We have to be careful of what pastors we follow on YouTube. We have to be careful of what messages we let in. We have to be careful of what news organizations we listen to. We have to be careful of what theories we listen to. We have to be careful not to get pulled away from truth. Truth is the foundation. Truth has to be the foundation, and truth, in the end, will be under attack. Now, I ask you the question, do you see those things happening at all? Is truth now completely under attack? Are they wanting to take the Word of God today with a whiteout or a marker and white out things that they don't agree with or marker over things that they don't agree with? Truth is under attack. It's under attack in many of our mainstream, large megachurches as well, because the truth of God's word is no longer being presented. Jesus says then, you're going to see social, global, and ecological pressures. That's what you're going to see. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this 
must happen. Notice those words. This must happen. This has to happen. I know a lot of people who have been very, very troubled because of the election process, the political system in our country today. Have you ever thought this, that those things have to happen? We have to move further and further away from God's word because God has already said that's going to happen. Have you ever thought that there has to be a walking away from truth? There has to be a walking away from what is right and good and holy? There has to be that, and our country is doing that firsthand. We have moved into a Marxist socialist agenda in the United States, and Jesus says these kind of things must happen. It's not about the U.S. This is going to have an absolute effect upon the world. I found it funny this past week, and I don't know if you read this story or heard this story, but the nation of France this past week, who is very left and liberal in their thinking and ideology, has actually condemned the United States because we have gone too far. The day that France condemns the United States is a scary day in our society because they have said, look, as bad as we are, you're worse. <laughs> That's not good. We have moved away, and we are moving further and further away with the ideas of Marxism, socialism, and the cancel culture that has happened. If you stand up for what is right and what is true and what is in God's word, you will be canceled. Jesus says these things must happen, but this is not the end. You're not even at the end. You're just at the beginning, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom will rise against kingdom, now, you remember the word nation was the word ethnos, that is ethnicities will rise up against. There will be racial tensions that will happen around the world. This will begin to happen. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes that will happen in various places. And if you just watch the news, you will see these events taking place. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke and also in the King James Version that covers Matthew 24, they add the word pestilences, diseases. There will be pestilence, there will be those diseases, there will be famines, earthquakes, wars, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Those things will happen, and Jesus says, but all these things are only the beginning of the birth pains. He then goes on to say then there's going to then be persecution and the hatred of Christians. Then there's going to be a falling away from faith, betrayal and hatred of one another. Then you're going to see lawlessness and lovelessness beginning to grow rampant. Jesus says this, then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. And then many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. So that, again, that whole picture is things that are right now happening in our world. They're not happening on a global scale yet, but they are happening around the, uh, around the world. Nigeria is one of those places. You have these kind of things happening in India. You have these things happening in certain areas of the Middle East where people are being persecuted. Did you hear about this story that happened just a couple of days ago that in Australia, in Australia they have passed a law and they're just waiting for it to go into effect. And the law is called the change or suppression, or in parentheses, conversion practices prohibition bill. You know what that one is? In Australia, that they are saying that any practice that aims to change a person's claim 
of sexual orientation and gender is against the law. In other words, for a church to preach repentance, for a church to say this is what God's standard is and you are going against God's standard, you are now guilty and you can face not only fines but up to 10 years in jail for that kind of a practice in Australia. These kind of things are happening more and more. People will be encouraged to pull away from truth, to pull up the anchor from truth, to drift upon the ideas and the opinions of society. And in the beastly empire of the end, you will be forced to convert or change. If you do not convert to whatever the beastly empire system is, which I've laid out what the beastly empire is, if you do not convert, you can be in, in danger of death. How many people will say, I will renounce Jesus because I don't want to die? Jesus talks about this in Revelation. People who did not love their lives even to the point of death, they loved Jesus. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. There will be people who will hold a gun and say, if you do not renounce Jesus, we're going to kill your family. And how many people will walk away from faith because of that? You're going to be hated by all nations. Many are going to fall away. Many will betray one another, turning one another in. Many false prophets will arise because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Again, straightforward prophecy that Jesus is giving. Literal events, literal things. Not metaphor, not parables, literal things that are going to happen. Then he says there's going to be a worldwide evangelism, though, that will break out. When he says this, here's the good news. The good news of the kingdom, it's going to be spread and proclaimed to all the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. That was their question. When will these things happen? Jesus says, here's the things. When you have all of these events, then the end is going to come. That will be the sign of the end. So what is the ultimate sign that he gives after that? Well, he gives then one final thing. He says, when you see this great tribulation occurring, you can know. This, up to then, it's like maybe, 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 maybe. Now it's like go time. This is it. The great tribulation begins, and we've got to be prepared for that. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation says that the great tribulation will be a period of, and it uses all of these terms so that we can't possibly misunderstand it. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days, a time times and half a time, which is one year plus two years plus a half a year, three and a half years. So he says four different ways, this is the amount of time that the Great Tribulation is going to be a part of. This is what's going to happen. So here's what Jesus says. So when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. When you see the abomination of desolation, what does that mean? That's an abominable, abominable person doing an abominable act standing in the temple of God that has been rebuilt in Jerusalem. When you see that event, you, you're there. You're, you're just three and a half years away. That's all that there is left. Three and a half years from the time that the temple is rebuilt and you see this person standing in that place. That is a person, the abominable person is the Antichrist. 
It is the leader of the beastly empire. He's also called the beast. He is called the man of perdition, the man of sin, the little horn. He's called Gog of Magog. He is called the prince of Tyre. All titles that he is given. When you see this guy who's in charge of this beastly empire come against Israel, and when you see him stand in the holy place, in the temple of God, now you're there, Jesus says. And when you see that event... For those that are in Israel, those that are in Jerusalem, get out, run away, flee to the mountains. The one who's on the roof, don't go down. Don't take your coat. Don't go back after anything. Don't turn around to go get any of your belongings. Just get out of Dodge. Woe to those who are pregnant, he says. Uh, woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your escape will not happen in winter or on the Sabbath because it's going to bog everything down. And everybody is going to need to get out of town. Well, Jesus is going to then say, during that time, you will have the unequaled severity of the great tribulation. This is also in the Old Testament called Jacob's trouble. Those final three and a half years will be unequaled. They will be unprecedented. There will be unprecedented devastation and destruction that will happen not only in Israel, mostly for Israel, but on a global scale. It's going to happen worldwide, but the most important point of it, the epicenter of it all, is in Israel. It will put World War II to shame. In World War II, there was approximately 50 million deaths that were part of the, the, the military campaigns. They were part of the war. But there was another about 30 to 35 million that happened because of disease and starvation and devastation that happened in those days as well. So around 85 million people died in World War II. Six million Jews were killed through the Holocaust in World War II. None of that will have any comparison to what's going to happen at the end. When the end comes it's going to be that much worse. And Jesus said, this is a literal event. You need to know this. You need to know this is unprecedented. Because look what he says. He says, uh, pray that your escape is not in the winter or on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, for then there will be great trouble such as the world, uh, such as not happened since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. It is the worst trouble that the world has ever seen. And unless those days were cut short, unless God intervened, there's not one person who would survive the devastation that is going to happen in those days. Think of the military conflict that could possibly happen with our technology today and put that in the context of what could happen during those events. If God did not intervene, not even one person would survive on this planet because of the devastation. But for the sake of the chosen, those days are going to be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the chosen. Now I'm going to talk about that on Sunday afternoons. If you want to know what that means, you have to come or listen on Sunday afternoons. Jesus says, see, I've told you beforehand, these are the events so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Jesus is then going to wrap everything up, and he's going to tell them about the conclusion of the great tribulation, the conclusion of what's called Jacob's trouble. And the conclusion is this, that Jesus is going to return, 
and in the conclusion of his return, Jesus, or the God's wrath, through Jesus coming with a sword, his wrath will be poured out upon the world. So here's how Jesus wraps up the prophecy part. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. That's right out of uh, Daniel. But immediately... After the trouble of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Now remember what their original question was, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of the end of the age? What will be the sign of your return? Here's Jesus saying, here's, here's the sign of my return, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. The sign of the Son of Man's return is you're going to see him. <laughs> That's the sign. There's nothing to look for, for, just look for him in the heavens. And then all the tribes of the land will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a great trumpet blast, a great shofar, and they will gather together his chosen from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So Jesus has given straightforward, literal, prophetic events that are going to happen. You will see these events, Jesus says, and then that's the end. There's nothing more to tell. And if you want to know more, he says, go read the book of Daniel. So now the question becomes, well, what do we do with all of that information? How, Jesus, you, you just gave us a whole bunch of information. How do we respond to that? What should we be doing? Well, now Jesus is going to give six parables to help us know what we do with the information that he just gave. The question is almost like, now what? Now what do we do with all of that? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we understand the things that are going to come? What should we be doing? The first parable that Jesus is going to give in Matthew chapter 24 is a parable, and here's my phrase of the parable. It is, be discerning. That's the first thing that Jesus says. To understand what we have just studied, Jesus says now, be discerning. Discernment, is the ability to decide between truth and error, between right and wrong. It is the quality of being able to grasp or to comprehend what is obscure. Discernment is the ability to recognize small details, accurately tell the difference between similar things, and make intelligent judgments by using observations. Jesus is going to say, look, be discerning. See understand. This is why I have been telling you, watch the news of the Middle East. That's why I told you last week, watch Israel 7 news. I told you to watch CBN Dateline news. Pay attention to some of these, these organizations. Pay attention. Be discerning so that you can know what things are really happening and how we should respond. Let me give you an example of this. There was a man who died, and I, I've shared this example before, so bear with me if you've heard it, but there was a man who died and he went to heaven. Before he died and went to heaven, he was caught in the midst of a flood. As the floodwaters came, this man was on the ground floor. He had heard the reports. He had knew that this was coming his way, and he was on the ground floor, and as the floodwaters began to increase, a man drove by, one of his neighbors drove by in a pickup truck. And the neighbor said to the man who was caught in the house in the flood, he said, jump in and I will take you to safety. 
Now the guy who was in the house said, no, 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 I don't have to do that because God is going to take care of me. I know God is going to take care of me. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I'm going to trust God. He's going to take care of me. So the guy drives away. Well, the floodwaters began to rise even more. Now he had to move up to the second floor of his house because the floodwaters were rising and rising. Now, as he was in the second floor of his house, he opened a window and a guy in a boat came by. And the guy in the boat said, hey, jump in and I will take you to safety. The man said, no, 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 I don't have to do that. I'm trusting God. God is going to provide. He's going to take care of me. So the guy sped away in the boat. Well, now the waters rose rapidly to the to the point that the man had to leave the second floor. He had to climb on the roof of his house, on the peak of his house, and there he was with the waters all around him. Now, a helicopter came by, dropped a ladder down to him and said, climb up and I will save you from the flood that is happening. Just climb up, just grab on, climb up. The man on the roof said, no, 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 I don't have to do that. God's gonna take care of me. God's gonna provide for me. God's gonna help me. I trust God in the middle of this situation. Well, just a little bit later, a large, large tree crashed into the guy's house, just demolished the house, flung the guy into the water, the guy drowned, and the guy went to heaven. In heaven, the man looked at God and said, why didn't you take care of me? And God said to the man who was there in heaven, wait a second, I sent you a pickup, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. What more could I have possibly done? To discern is to see the things that God is doing to understand the signs of the times and take appropriate action. To not only trust that God is in control, but to take the necessary steps. Jesus says, look, if you want to understand the end, you've got to be discerning. You have to understand the events that are happening. Now, here's what he's going to say. We're going to look at three more verses, and then we're going to wrap this up and move into communion. Jesus is going to say this parable about being discerning. So let's look at what it says. Matthew 24, 32 through 35, he says this. Now learn the parable. So, so this is how we know he's moving from prophecy to parable. Learn the parable from the fig tree. Now a parable is just going to be an example that he is going to give using some other means to illustrate this. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. It's at the door. Amen, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, Jesus says three things that are important right there in that verse that I, I'm going to use in my—I'm going to— uh, make points out of. The first thing he says is this. He says, you know. You, you know. You already know. Well, what's the example that Jesus is going to use to help us know that we already know? He's going to use the first two lines. He says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, how would we relate that? Well, in Wyoming, we lose leaves on our trees, and we experience winter. I, uh, my dad right now has a, uh, a home down in Florida. They don't experience winter. They don't lose leaves on the trees. It's still green and beautiful and warm. In fact, I sent him a, 
uh, a picture of my car uh, temperature yesterday. It said negative 25, and he was experiencing 75-degree weather. We live in the winter. We live in the cold. We understand what it means for trees to lose their leaves. But in the summertime, it's not hard to figure this out. In the summertime, when the spring happens and all the snow is melted, if you look at the handful of trees that you may have in your yard, uh, you look at the trees, and as an adult or even as a kid— you look at those trees and you see a little bud and then you see a leaf spring out of that bud and what can you discern when you see the leaf coming out of that tree that small little shoot of a leaf coming out of a tree what do you discern you say well summer is almost here it's almost summertime Thank the Lord, it is almost summertime. We can enjoy that one month of summer throughout the year. Thank you, Lord, for that, that wonderful gift. You look at the tree, you see a bud, and then you see a leaf, and you know that summer is near. You don't look at that bud, and you don't look at that leaf and that little shoot, and you think, well, that must mean winter time is coming. You know that. You, you know better than that. You look at the tree, you look at the bud, you look at the little shoot, and you say, summer is almost here. Jesus says, you disciples who have grown up outside, who a lot of you have agricultural kinds of backgrounds, you know as soon as you see the leaf, you know that summer is almost here. You're discerning, you're smart, you're not stupid, you know that it is almost here. So Jesus says, you know. And then he says, you can know. What can I know? Look at what he says next. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. What are all these things? Well, remember that was their original question. When will these things happen? When will you return? What will be the sign of your coming? When will all of these things take place? Jesus says, when you see these things, you know it's near. What are the things that we're going to see? Everything that he has laid out. When you see famine, when you see earthquakes, when you see wars, when you hear rumors of wars, when you see nation rising against nation and racial tension happening, when you see, um, when, when you see persecution happening among the saints and among the believers, when you see diseases taking place, when you see earthquakes taking place, you know, you can know, be discerning and see the signs of the times. Now, it's not in isolation because every nation has been able to say, well, we've seen some of those things. Every generation, I'm sorry, not nation, every generation has seen some of those things. It's the generation that sees all of those things coming together. That generation will know, now we're here. Jesus is just like a tree that puts out a bud who brings forth a leaf. They know summer is near. When you see all of these things, it's like a little bud coming out on the tree and a little leaf coming out that you can know that it's near. So that's the question that we are wrestling with. Is it near? Are we starting to see buds forming on the tree? Now, you could have said that maybe in World War II with the catastrophic events that they had, but they didn't have one thing that we have, and that was the nation of Israel that had been reborn. Israel had to be reborn for all of these things to take place. All of the things were in line. All of the things have happened except for the rebuilding of the temple to make the plan come to fruition. So are we starting to see buds forming on the tree? So the answer to that is, uh, it sure seems like it, but I'm not going to say 100% certainly. 
That's why Jesus says, be discerning. Watch it for yourself. Don't rely upon anybody else to tell you. You've got eyes. You've got a brain. You can see it for yourself if the buds are coming out and if the leaves are starting to pop out. As soon as you see that, you know, Jesus says, that it is near. It is at the door. It is almost time. So discern. He says, you know, you can know, and the final thing is, you must know. That's the final thing. You know, you can know, you must know. You have to know. You can't let this go by. This is imperative. This is the key. Life depends upon it. You can't be someone who just ignores the signs or dismisses the signs or sticks your head in the sand because if you do that, you won't be prepared for the events that Jesus just warned about. So Jesus says, look, you know, you must know, you have to know. Those kind of things. You, you know, you can know. You, you have to know. You must know. Look what he says. He wraps it up, this parable, by saying this. Amen. I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Now, a lot of people have taken that and misunderstood what was meant. I have heard a lot of teaching that that means the rebirth of Israel, the generation that sees the rebirth of Israel will be the same generation that sees the return of the Lord. Because they say, well, the Israel is represented by a fig tree. Jesus uses it to talk about Israel. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is just saying, when you see the fig tree and you see it bloom, then understand that it's near. Just like you see a tree in your yard. When you see those buds shooting out, you know it's near. When you see these events happen, you know it's near. The generation that sees all of these things, not in isolation, but in combination, the generation that sees all of these things in combination will be the generation that will see the Lord's return. Now, is that our generation? I don't know yet. Is it our kids' generation? Maybe. Maybe it's our generation. Maybe it's our grandkids' generation. Who knows? Only the Lord knows. We just have to see those signs. And so what is Jesus' ultimate picture? Be discerning. Do you know that discernment is the thing that is needed for everything in life, though? To see what God is doing. To be discerning in how God is moving. We need discernment, not just for the end times, but we need discernment when it comes to every decision that we make in life. If you're a young person and you are not yet married, before you pick somebody to marry, be discerning. If I could encourage young people with one thing more than, a, uh, more than anything else, be discerning. Do not jump emotionally because he loves me or I love him. Okay, that's not gonna last. I've been married for 30 years. It's not the same kind of love. There was, well, I, I'm still very attracted to my wife and still love her, but it's not the same kind of love. It is a deeper God-centered love. Be discerning. Where you live, be discerning. Who you listen to, be discerning. Where you go to church, be discerning. Who you read, be discerning. 
The job that you do, be discerning. See what God is doing behind the scenes before you make any move in reaction and any emotion. See what God is doing. Jesus says, I tell you, this generation will not pass away. The one who sees all of these things in combination, that's the generation that will see the Lord's return. Heaven and earth will pass away. What does that mean? It's a new Jerusalem. It's a new plan. It's God's new kingdom that he's going to do. That can pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus is saying, look, you can take it for 100% certainty. I am telling you the truth, and this truth will not change. It is guaranteed by him. Be discerning. That's what we need. We need people who will be willing to seek God. People who will be willing to say, God, help me to be discerning. Help me to be wise. Help me to be understanding. Help me to be knowledgeable. I don't want to let these things, I don't want to miss these things. I don't want to stick my head. I don't want to walk in fear, and I don't want to walk in conspiracy theory, but I want to be discerning with the events that I'm seeing in the world around me. Pay attention, be discerning, be wise, and God will prepare your heart. We're going to move into a time of communion here this morning, and as we do, I want to pray. Uh, so would you please pray with me? Father, I pray that we would be prepared and discerning for the events of the end. I don't know, Lord, if we are that generation. We are definitely closer today than we were a decade ago. I don't know if we're the generation, Lord, that's going to see your return but I pray, Father, that we would have hearts that are discerning. This is not just an end times issue, though, Lord. This is something that needs to happen in the church of God universally, worldwide. We need to have believers who recognize the events that are happening around us and are willing to be discerning, to observe, and to see what you're doing. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that you've laid out this prophetic event so that we can absolutely know. It's not going to catch us by surprise unless we just stick our heads in the sand. We are going to know. We're going to see. And I thank you, Lord, that you have prepared your church for your return. Continue to bring people into your kingdom through faith. Continue, Lord, to move upon people's hearts that they are fully and completely committed and surrendered to you. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you have loved us enough that you have not only died for us, but you've warned us. So help us, Lord, to heed that warning. Now as we enter into this time of communion, Lord, touch our hearts. Help us to confess the things that we need to confess before you. Help us to surrender our hearts to you. Use this time as a spiritual time of drawing near you. We thank you for the fact that you died for us on that cross, that you took upon us the punishment that we deserved, that you died the death that we should have died. But because of you, we can have hope. Thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for your word. Continue to teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. 
Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.